What's up? Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name's Kason. We're here to talk about Xenosaga <clears throat> once again for the seventh time. <laughs> out of, wait, is it the seventh? Yeah, the seventh time, I'm thinking out of 10 or 11. Okay. It's so not it going be... to be that much longer, I think. Oh, dang. Um, hey, wow. Now, for this week, I played ahead a little bit. I, of, of yeah, you. a little bit more. I played all the way through the Encephalon dive sequence. You basically have started the Encephalon dive yes, sequence. Yes, I am a small the, ways into it. The the the, uh, the junior side of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're gonna today. What we're gonna be talking about is everything from where we left off last time, where Cosmos took out all of those Gnosis with that yeah. crazy weapon she's got, all the way up to when the Encephalon dive starts. So that's going to be what we're covering this week. Okay. There's a lot to talk about. Um, so why don't we start with everybody kind of meets up. We, got, we, had, we had a lot of scenes there where we were cutting back and forth between the Elsa crew um, well, then, of course, you know, our, our villains you know, with uh, Margulis is getting a lot of screen time. And then yeah. this new crew of the Durandal uh, captained by Junior. And now we've brought our Durandal crew and our Elsa crew together. So uh, they meet each other. Junior sort of explains a little bit about who he is working with the Kukai Foundation. Uh, yeah. And um, <clears throat> that he has a real name. He says this specifically. I have a real name, <laughs> but for now, just call me Junior. Just call me Junior, yeah. So um, kind of leaves that open-ended for some stuff that we'll, we will get into today. Because you did get up to that yes. point, I oh, think. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, so then, after that scene ends, there's a, a dream sequence uh, of, from Junior's perspective. His dream. Yeah, this is kind of crazy. It's a crazy, crazy dream. Um, so this is really good. So we start out... Um, oh, first of all, first of all, this is actually kind of important. Before that, after Cosmos does her crazy blast and absorbs the Gnosis or yeah. something like that, um, the ship speeds away, and then we get this great Xenogears moment where the camera pulls back and oh, you see right. the side of a gear. Yes. the white gear with blue trim. Yes. I didn't quite recognize it. It's Albedo's but, gear. Oh, how about that? Yes. The one that he got into earlier when he was saying, Momo, my little pesh, or whatever. Aha, uh-huh, yes. That oh, one. that's it. Okay, because I was yeah. like, I could go back and check, but I didn't. Okay. <laughs> so Albedo's just chilling, watching, right? <clears throat> now, we find out his name is Albedo. Yes. Here. Throughout, it, throughout this, this episode. episode. Which however, which is why we're calling him that. However... You don't know that his name at the time. At the time. And this is important because that. we're talking about that dream that Kukai has, right? right. Sorry. That, that Junior has. Junior has. Yeah. Uh, so he gets in this dream. It's kind of a crazy dream. He doesn't know exactly what's going on, but there's some great symbolism because he kind of moves out of like a darkness mm-hmm. into a light, right? Yeah. And I've got some uh, pretty good notes here. Um, he asks the question. Well, first off, there's like a dead cat. Yes. And so he picks it up and he's like, oh, but then he calls the cat. Gagnon, yes, which is the name of whatever the relationship the, is. Him, uh, the, him, he, and, and the and other person. Gagnon Kukai are the yes. co-founders so, of the Kukai Foundation. The sure. two of them. So Gagnon is Gagnon Junior, <laughs> and then Gagnon, but he just calls him Gagnon. Well, so I like, actually don't oh, know whoa. if it's Gagnon <gasps> Junior. I just think he calls himself just Junior. So I don't think it's related to being. Well, it's it's at first. 
when you meet Junior. I, I also assumed that he was like the son of Gaiman Kukai or something. Right. Which is why he's called Junior. But he's I don't think he he is called Junior because he's going by his son oh, or something like that. I don't I, think that's the case. So that's a good question because I wrote Gagnon Jr. in my notes. Yes. But I don't I don't recall if I actually saw that in the text <laughs> or not. So you're telling me I, I'm mistaken. I, I did not see that in the I text. could also be mistaken. I okay, don't okay. believe he called himself Gagnon Jr. That's I think he easily... just calls himself Jr. Okay. That's an inference that I may have made. So he calls the cat Gagnon. Which either way is I I didn't take it to be himself anyways I took it to be a reference to the other person the yes. older looking individual who yes. we will soon meet um, he picks up this cat it's dead but then there's like this this burst of light outwards and he, he walks out it's almost like on this it's a place I swear we've been before but I can't really recall where it is but you walk out onto like kind of a platform and there's just this white it's it's a lot of colors first mm-hmm. of all but it combines into this whiteness and then he says albedo like what he he's questioning what it is but he says albedo and that is whiteness in a latin form it, the, this right. all has ties to alchemy it's something that we'll probably get into soon um and then he kind of finds himself falling into this like crazy lava pit that's many, many colors, but it, it ultimately turns red, right? It becomes yes. this red thing. He falls into the redness, right? Yes. Now, the stage is black, white, red. <laughs> yes. Um, Nigredo, Albedo, and Rubedo. Those are the, um, well, some of the stages of, al- of the alchemical process, right? Yes. And the Rubedo is the Philosopher's Stone, which I already brought up earlier in this episode, or no, in this show, uh, talking about Momo, how Momo right. has some motifs of something like a Philosopher's Stone. Um, but then we see Junior kind of go through this process, go through the blackness into the whiteness, and then ultimately, um, like, absorbed into redness, right? Yes. And then he dies. <laughs> yes, and he also has red hair. Well, so he doesn't die. He wakes well. up. Yes, I did. And yes. have you noticed since episode since the first episode of this podcast, I've been kind of making notes on what color hair everyone has. Yes. <laughs> and guess freaking what? what? I it wasn't pointless. I was wondering. I was like, I don't know, some people have blonde hair, some people have black hair. What's the big deal? Some people have green eyes, some people have brown eyes, whatever. Um Throughout this episode, um, it becomes clear that it is actually quite important yes. what the hair color of these people is, what their eye color is, and all of that good stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that dream was crazy, but it had some symbolic significance as far as alchemy goes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to learn. I mean, oh, here, this is important, though. He's resisting it, though. Yes. Right? He's resisting the move towards Rubedo, towards right. redness, towards individuation, right? Right. Because that is. A painful process. Yes. In order to go through the process alchemically of the self, you uh, have to... Is that like you burn away? Yeah, yeah, you burn away the impurities, so you turn into blackness, then you polish it to whiteness, and then you you, um, transform it into light, right? Into like perfection. And it's something that's difficult... For a person to do themselves, if they are going to become the Philosopher's Stone, they're going to individuate into their true, pure self, right? Because you have to do things like confront your past, and you have to delve into your subconscious and integrate your shadow into who you truly are. I know. Isn't it beautiful? Okay, It's beautiful because of what we're going to talk about next time. Yes, we're going to talk about (laughs) it later, but I've I've got hints. I know where this is going. Just, oh, it's it's too rich. Uh, But this is very important to understand the alchemical process, not just for turning lead into gold, which is like the, how would you call it, the superficial alchemy? Yes. Right? But the hermetic alchemy, which is like 
transforming yourself into something. And that's what I think this game is is getting at, right? It's it, yeah. I yeah. mean, without saying too much, it's it almost seems to be sort of the central motif through which it is viewing its its theme. Okay. Is this alchemical process is like the arc that the characters have to go yeah. through. And are they ready for that painful process yet or not? Right. Is the idea, I think. Yeah. So <laughs> and it's not easy. It is not easy. And it's definitely not something you do alone or just for yourself. It's right. more something you are willing to do with others or for others, something like that. Yeah. But it does ultimately need to be you that does it. Yes. But he wakes up from this dream yeah. and he has the number 666. Yeah, isn't in that his great? Palm. He's got 666. Okay. So well, okay, I've talked a little bit about this. I don't know exactly. Some of my notes on this come a little bit later. Um, but we're going to get into this later. This comes a little bit later. Okay. Um, it turns out that there he's not the only character with, with numbers number in his, his palm. palm. Yeah. However, number 666 is, 666 is quite significant, right? Right. So he's got the mark of the devil, the mark of the beast <laughs> yeah. in his hand, yes. engraven upon the palms of his hand, right? Which is like, okay, it should just kind of make you kind of question where he's at and what he's doing. Right. But it's immediately after this dream that he see that he looks at that and he shows it. I don't know that people um, see that very often. I don't know that he shows that to people. Yes. And there's going to be a lot more Book of Revelation references Good. coming up in the next episode. Of <laughs> oh, really? Um, just to, you know, keep that pin and that, and that little thing that they're purposefully yeah. showing 666 in the palm of the hand. Uh, maybe everyone should read the book of Revelation for next episode. <laughs> it's um, only 22 chapters. If you don't read the whole thing, at least read chapter 20. Okay, towards the At least end. chapter 20. Where the dragon is subdued and all that. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so he gets up. We, we cut away to Shion here. Um, she and the others are in a hangar where a bunch of Zohar emulators are kept. Turns yeah, out there's crazy. actually 13 of them. 13. So there's 12, 12 that are named that are after named. the apostles of Jesus. Yes. Yeah, so you got Andrew, Judas, all that stuff. Right. And then the 13th. you have the 13th, which is called Mariankind, right? Yes, that's right. Now, Mariankind is just great. Do you want to tell the story of Mariankind, or do you want me well, to? Well, I think I'll let you do that because. Okay. I spent most of my time this week researching stuff for the next part. Sorry, dude. <laughs> I should <laughs> Which have is played fine. a little longer. Which I is fine. I mean, it's it. a long section of game. I mean, it like, is. It is. You know, if you go through the cutscenes or whatever, it might feel like this could fit in one episode. But when you consider how long the dungeons are for this yeah. sequence we're going to talk about next time, it's it's actually a long <laughs> stretch of game in terms of like time spent. It's let's just say it's going to be like similar. In terms of like preparation, I have to do for when we were trying to explain in Xenogears, like introns and extrons, introns and, and, and exons, yeah, yeah. and how cool. the Ouroboros yeah. is like it, how that's um, the, the collective unconscious works right. into that, and how yes. memories are passed from generations. It's basically mm. going to be like that level of an explanation. <laughs> so, <laughs> great, great, you know, great. We'll see. Okay. What happens there. Well, then let's talk about this. Yeah. So. Ah, the 13th says Marian kind. That means the child of Mary 
in German. So, in the story of Mary and Kend, as told, as told in the Brothers Grimm, the Blessed Mother, the Virgin Mary, takes a young girl from a woodcutter, promising him that she can raise the child like a princess. The girl is given, by Mary, 13 keys to open the 13 doors of heaven. However, she is told that she can open all 13 doors but one. The girl opens one door a day, finding one of the original 12 disciples behind each one. The angels warn her, once she has opened all 12 doors, that the 13th must remain closed. She uses the smallest key to open the final door anyways in secret. Well, when she thinks it's in secret. Right. right. She sees behind that door that the Holy Trinity was concealed, and as a result of being uncovered, a blinding light emanates forth. She raises her hand as a shield, and one of her fingers turns to gold as the light touches her hand, and she shuts the door. The gold won't wash from her fingers, and when Mary... The mother of Jesus. I just want to make sure we're... Yeah. Because this story gets kind of crazy. Yeah. This is the Virgin Mary we're talking about. Yes, okay. right. So... <laughs> Mary, yeah. Because this is her like you've never seen her before. Right. That, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> when Mary returns, she asks for the keys back. The girl gives them back and lies, telling her that she did not look behind the 13th and final door. Mary asks her three times, and Peter, I mean... The girl lies three times yes, and de- denies, yeah, yeah. Yeah. denies three times that anything happened. Uh, the girl then falls from heaven. For Mary knew she was lying. She lives amongst the thorns and thistles of earth for years until she is discovered by a king. She's unable to speak to the king, having lost her voice. The king, rather liking a beautiful but silent woman, takes her to his castle. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I added my own little um, you know, analysis here. <laughs> takes her and marries her and brings her to his castle. Right, The Virgin Mary then comes to the girl in a dream and says if she will promise not to lie this time, she can regain her voice and keep her child. But if she lies again, her child will be taken from her. So she lies, of course. And the Virgin Mary takes, takes her child. child. Yeah, I remember this part being like, <laughs> what the fuck? It's like, Mary, Mary? Okay, well, you yeah, know, she's got... Takes, takes her child from her. It's crazy. Mary's doing some work, but she feels a little bit like the Demiurge in this story. So yes. it's kind of, kind of crazy, right? Yes, it, it's a portrayal of Mary... The Virgin Mary that, yeah, like you said, like you don't see very often. No. Um, you no. have you have the Brothers Grimm, right? You said yes, that you were yeah. reading that to your kids and yes, stuff? Yes, I am. And it's great. I, I like the stories, you know, there's a ton of symbolism in a lot of the old Brothers Grimm stories yeah. that are, that's very Christian that is removed in the modern retellings of those stories. And when I tell my kids the stories, for for example, of like Rapunzel, and how it's got all this Christian imagery just all over it, especially with the Garden of Eden and and like um, Ascension and all that stuff. Yeah, um, it's really cool. I think it's fascinating and it's super cool. Um, but anyways, I, I haven't finished the whole book yet, okay. but I've read a bunch of them. But this is one of the this is one of the fairy the tales yeah. that's included in the Brothers Grimm. As and Mary there's and a Kim. bunch of variations of this tale. Like there's Bluebeard. And a few others that I've read in the past yeah. that are similar. What's like Pandora's box? Like, don't open the thing, and then they open the thing, and then right, they, they right. have to pay a huge, huge price for it. Right. right? This is. Um, <clears throat> uh, we were talking about this last week. Uh, the uh, the magician's apprentice. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that one, yeah, good stuff too. That one also has a lot of Christian themes in it that are gone in any modern retelling. Yeah. Okay. So she lies, and um, Mary takes her child. Then uh, she has another baby, and Mary shows up again and says, hey, if you tell the truth this time, I won't take your kid. Yeah. So she lies again, and so Mary takes the kid. The second, then then, then the she has kid. a third kid, which is a daughter this time, um, and Mary shows up and says, okay, if you tell me the truth, 
that you did open the 13th door, then I will not only not take this girl, but I'm going to give you back your boys, right? And this is one of those, like, because she had a daughter and through women you can gain more people. Anyways, uh, there's a lot going on there. And so the girl uh, lies again (laughs) and says, (laughs) no, I never opened the 13th door. And so then, of course... Um, Mary takes all three kids up and the people of the city get very anxious that these princes and princesses are being lost and they blame the queen, which is this woman here. And she can't speak, so she can't defend herself. Right. That was and one of the punishments too, right? Yes. That, as she fell from heaven. she, um, yeah, she's mute. She, she can't lost talk. her voice. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, they're going to burn her at the stake as you do with monarchs when they are not doing what you want them to do. So the people take her out and light the fire. And um, Mary descends and asks her one last time, said, hey, are you going to tell the truth? And this time, upon her deathbed, I guess you'd call it, uh, she confesses. And Mary returns, not only returns her children back to her, not only puts out the fire so that it doesn't kill her, but then also um, tells the people, like reveals herself to the people and says, hey, I'm the Virgin Mary, by the way, this girl, she didn't didn't, uh, eat her children the way you accused her of doing. Here's her kids. Everything's cool now. Um, And so everyone rejoices. She doesn't die. And it's a happy ending, right? Um, Not all of these types of stories that are like this, uh, the Pandora's box type story, they don't all have happy endings, (laughs) but this one did. Um, And it begins to rain and the fire is put out. So rain comes at the end of the story. When the Virgin Mary shows up, uh, rain falls from the skies. I only think that's important because, at least in part, that's how the beginning of this game happens. When the Zohar right. shows up, it starts raining. Right. So just so you know, that's part of the Marianne story as well. When Mary shows up, it starts to rain. Yeah. Okay, so that was as brief as I can do, an overcap of that story. That was, that was great, actually. It was perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what the, the names of the Zohar are referencing, is that story. Yeah. Um, so I think the story is going to come in to play to play later on as well too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, Junior's kind of explaining a little bit about the Zohar emulators. Yeah. Um, he and says this is where we store all of the really dangerous items. Wait, no, no, yeah. that's in the other door. That's in well, the other yeah, because right? the other room. I think Shion asks about what's through that door and over he says, there or something. You don't want to go to that. Yeah, door. he says you don't want to know what's behind that. It's almost the Marian story. It's exactly that. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. It's any, like anytime you tell somebody they don't want to know, like the mystery, even it, if it's scary, yeah. is going to be like too overwhelming for most people. They got to know. So yeah, if you know, tell someone you can't see what's behind this, it's They're gonna bad. They're going to do it. It's do not, it. It's, if you do this, it's only going to result in bad things. Your right. curiosity to just know what it is overpowers any sort of right. warning. <laughs> and that's Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with the fruit, right? Don't eat. Yeah. You can eat of all the trees in the whole garden, but not that one. And it's like, okay, well, they're going to eat that fruit. Yes. It's going to happen. I mean, that's just how it works, right? Right. So, <clears throat> of course, they want to see what's back there. He says, I tried to warn you. And they, they go back in there. Yeah. And basically what he's storing in there are oh, this a bunch of gnosis. Oh, it's creepy, man. Um, yeah. Humans, in particular, who have been transformed into like gnosis. Like half, yeah. half gnosis, half people, right? Yeah. Exactly. And this is a hint for what happens when people make contact. And this is really difficult for Shion because she's like, wait, what? Everyone who makes contact with a Gnosis eventually turns into a Gnosis. Right. She made contact. Right. And then she, she got has, touched by the head and almost died. She has that flashback yeah. during the scene remembering that. And I mean, Trankov also came in contact. Yes, he did. Actually, after she had, because she had on the Woglinde. He came in mm-hmm. contact on the Elsa when that one Gnosis attacked them there in Chaos. 
That's right. That's right. Yeah. So she still hasn't exhibited any of the symptoms of having right. come in contact. But there's some. There's a lot of interesting things that happen in the scene here. So Junior is more or less explaining that. Uh, well, okay. The first interesting thing that he says. There's a woman in like the the. Yeah. What do you call it? The tube at the back. <sighs> yeah, there's a word for it. There's a word for it I that I'm not recall, thinking man. of right. Don't now. recall. There, there's a woman in there, and yeah. he says she was just a little girl the last, last time, time we saw her. Yeah. Yep. She's a woman now. Yeah. So this gnosis has continued to like grow. Yeah. Even in this stasis that they've got them in in these tubes mm. or whatever. So I thought that was interesting. Not sure what's going on with that. Um, he also he also reveals that the bodies of Gnosis are made from salt, yes. just common salt. Well, I, 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 knew, I know where you're going with this. Go okay, ahead. good. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Alchemy, people. Once more, by the way. Yes. Okay. So I have a fun little link to read. Um, this is from a website called learnreligions.com. Um, this is, I found to be a very good um, resource for studying certain things pertaining to alchemy. Very yeah. concise, very good stuff. Um, this talks about the elements of sulfur, mercury, and salt in uh, Western alchemy, right? So it's important to know a few things. Um, Western occultism is strongly focused on a system of four or five elements, fire, air, water, and earth, plus spirit or ether. However, alchemists often spoke of three more elements, mercury, sulfur, and salt. Right, so the first to mention mercury and sulfur as base alchemical elements come from the Arab writer named Jabir. Um, let me skip that because that's not important. So sulfur, the pairing of sulfur and mercury strongly corresponds to the male-female dichotomy already present in Western thought. Sulfur is the active principle possessing the ability to create change. It bears the qualities of hot and dry, the same as the element of fire. It's associated with the sun as the male principle always is in traditional Western thought. Then mercury is considered the passive principle. While sulfur causes change, it needs something to actually shape and change in order to accomplish anything. The relationship is also commonly compared to the planting of a seed, the plant that springs from the seed, but only if there is earth to nourish it. The earth equates to the passive female principle. Now, don't you're not quoting my words. I'm reading something from ancient people. <laughs> Mercury is also known as quicksilver because it is one of the very few metals to be liquid at room temperature. Thus, it can easily be shaped by outside forces. Okay, do do do, and it corresponds with the moon and all of that good stuff. Okay, so it is silver, womanhood, and moon, while gold is male, sun, and you're right. Okay, yeah. so sulfur and mercury together. This is where it gets interesting. In alchemical illustrations, the red king and the white queen also sometimes represent sulfur and mercury. Sulfur and mercury are described as originating from the same original substance. One might even be described as one might even describe as the opposite of whoa. One might even be described as the opposite gender of the other. For example, sulfur is the male aspect of mercury since Christian alchemy is based on the concept that the human soul was split during the fall season. It made sense that these two forces are seen as initially united and in need of unity again. So salt is the element of substance and physicality. It starts out as coarse and impure. Through alchemical processes, salt is broken down by dissolving. It's purified and eventually reformed into pure salt, the result of the interactions between mercury and sulfur. Thus, the purpose of alchemy is to strip down the self to nothingness, leaving everything bare to be scrutinized. 
By gaining self-knowledge about one's own nature and one's relation to God, the soul is reformed, the impurities are expunged, and it is united into a pure and undivided thing. That That is the purpose of alchemy. But now we talk about body, spirit, and soul, right? So salt, salt, mercury, and sulfur equate to the concepts of body, spirit, and soul, right? So body is the physical self. That's salt. But the soul is immortal, and that's uh, sulfur, right? Yeah. And then... Uh, anyways, uh, so that's more or less all I wanted to read there. Okay. Um, so when we talk about salt, we're talking about the physical, the physical body, yes. right? And then mercury is the spirit and sulfur is the soul, right. right? Right. And the salt is your physical body. So when you hear things in the Bible, like somebody turned into a pillar of salt, yes, it means they lost their soul and their spirit and they just had a physical body that was worthless. Right. It was just a meaningless body. It was just salt, Right. Or Christ uh, will refer to people as being the salt of the earth. However, yes. that is a reference to, yes, the people, but, but not the process, not just the alchemical effect. process exactly. in which you become purified. <clears throat> Anyways, yeah. so you'll see uh, salt in, what in ancient thought is often uh, referenced. And it was kind of like the only way to make food taste good for like 20,000 years. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> Until they <laughs> started trading spices and stuff. But it was just like salt is the only thing that, that poor people could actually use. Um, yeah. And so salt is really, really important in the develop of development of humanity. So, and it corresponds to the body. Just remember that. Yes. So now, hopefully, <laughs> with the thread of what we're talking about, you're able to follow that Xenosaga, what it's driving at here is the, the process of refining the self. Yeah. Like really going deep through a difficult, painful even process. Right to come out on the other side, the purified self, yeah. the, the, the better form, the, the, to be your best self, right? And it's something that essentially has to be done. Yes. And it has to be chosen to be done. Right? Yes. You could, if, if, as long as you avoid that process, like there's no progression, there's no yeah. uh, progress uh, in, in your self-development. You have to willingly face the difficult process of self-development yeah that this is where it's going just you just yep. keep a pin in this because it's gonna be really <laughs> freaking important soon so okay oh, my alchemy research is paying off yeah i love it so um the gnosis bodies are constituted of salt uh oh and we, this was great this was great the gnosis true form exists elsewhere in another dimension that's great. Yes. So the salt is just the body. It's just the salt. Right. The mercury, the sulfur, those are somewhere else. The right. salt is being manipulated from afar. Um, that's just crazy. The the temporary form, which yes. Gnosis take in this dimension, is made of salt. Is just salt. Yeah. Yes. That's and then the, the Gnosis exists elsewhere. Right. This also makes me wonder about when uh, Chaos talks to Cosmos and he's like, where, where do you exist? Right? Yes. And it's like, okay, I don't know exactly what he's getting at, but we're getting some hints here of right. what that might be referring to. Yeah. Okay. So then Junior explains that, well, what we just said, they're from another dimension. They take a temporary form here. Um, this is where Shion has her flashback to her contact with the Gnosis earlier on the Woglinde. Um, mm. She asks him always, no exceptions to what he's talking about. He says, nope, not as far as I know. Yes. And then we have this long, long shot on Xion while he continues he talking, keeps talking and other people chime in. Yeah. And she's just touching her neck where she was grabbed. Yeah, where it grabbed her. By the Gnosis. And she's just 
kind of lost in thought. I mean, it's a really long shot on her face. Yeah, yeah. While he continues to go on. And then at the end of this, uh, Alan finally says, Chief, what's wrong? You don't look so good. And she says, oh, it's nothing. Um, this happens probably five more times <laughs> before <laughs> the end of what I played yeah. up through. Continually mm. people asking her, What's wrong? You don't look so good. And she says, oh, it's nothing. Oh, it's nothing. Oh, it's nothing. Oh, it's right. nothing. So I'm seeing a pattern here, yeah. They have like an entire scene just dedicated to just do that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> just to have her right. say, oh, it's nothing one more time. Must be very so important. it's important that she's refusing to talk about or let anyone in on what she's feeling and thinking. Oh, yeah. Alan comments on this later, too. Like, she doesn't let anyone get close to her. Hmm. Um, this being particularly true since the disaster two years ago two years ago where cosmos went crazy and killed the person who it seemed like Xion was quite close to yes don't know the name though name is kevin that's kevin yes okay and kevin got jacked and then gave her his necklace or gave her his necklace something like that right yeah or so she just took it from him yeah she probably just took yeah, it but yeah. we'll get into that soon here as well and to kevin and stuff like that because remember when Cosmos exhibited all these things, she's like, I didn't program this. I didn't, you know, yeah, put the, she's like, she was cool. wondering, did Kevin do it? Yeah, but um, th this is where, this is where I would do well. Maybe you could explain some of this. That was the archetype. That wasn't Cosmos, right? So, so I th they do different? explain this in, I took a note on this. Okay. So they do explain this um, about no, Alan does in not even in like what happens what we're gonna play for next time but in yeah. this this in this one yeah oh, I must so we'll get to that, like that in just a minute okay it's something that Alan says um, to Momo so uh, okay. we'll get to that note in just a minute okay um, so <clears throat> let's see oh another interesting thing Junior says here is that this yeah. phenomenon with Gnosis yes, has actually been note. happening for centuries but but the current ginormous flood of gnosis coming into our reality happened 14 years ago yeah because of the conflict at milsha so it, it, it's not like gnosis only very first appeared 14 years ago it happened in small phenomena here and there mm. for a long long time it's only just that this particular really big catastrophic appearance of gnosis happened because of what happened at Milsha 14 years ago. Interesting. Well, so that was really uh, an interesting revelation. I didn't realize that Gnosis had been along or could have been around even before that. Hmm. Um, and then he talks about Joachim Misrahi uh, and uh, how he was the one who opened Pandora's box, as he calls it. We're just talking about Pandora's box yep, stories, right. yep. such as Marion King. Marion King, yeah. And, Opening the 13th door. Bluebeard. Uh, yeah, Bluebeard and, and all that. Uh, yeah. Magician's Apprentice. Yes. All that stuff. So, yeah. you know, there's a bit of a Pandora's Box story within the story happening here. That's with cool. I like Yohim that. Misrahi, right? Yep. He unleashed the Gnosis upon the galaxy, and we're all paying for his ambition. Um, Shion then says, Yohim Misrahi, the brilliant scientist who founded the UTIC organization. Mm. We now know UTIC is what Margulis is a part of. Right. So they are currently portrayed as being the absolute bad guys. At the yes. Moment. I right. don't know if that will change, but yeah. And then, uh, 
Junior's response to that is brilliant. He was a lunatic. And this really upsets mm. Momo because Momo considers Joachim her daddy. That's right. right? I, I don't know that Junior knew that. Did Junior know? I actually think he did. I think mm. it, based on okay. his conversation with Geignan here in a minute that we'll yeah. get to, I think he might have known that. Hmm. That the 100 series prototype was a Joachim Mizrahi in, you know, creation. Okay. So, but he's acting at least yeah. as if he's unaware. As if he doesn't know. At the moment. So that was another thing I was okay. like, okay, what, what's up with that? Interesting. Something a little suspicious about that. Um, so she kind of just leaves the room all sullen and, and walks away while they continue to talk. Um, so in the rest of the scene, Junior goes on to explain the founding of the Kukai Foundation. It was established shortly after the war um, by the second Milshin government. There was a war that happened, I guess, after this disaster and the formation of the second Milshin government, hmm, which right. is a separate <clears throat> thing from the, from the Federation, by the way. Oh, yes. So, yes. It's uh, got its own, like, sovereignty, right? Yes. Like, it's a company, but they're allowed to operate as though they're, like, a state. Well, almost, yeah. So, right? like, you have the Kukai Foundation. Right. Which is that. And then, like, Second Milsha has its own government. And it's but, not a part of the Federation. Right. But it, I think it is a part of the Kukai Foundation, though, right? Well, I think that they collaborate with okay. each other. Okay. And I believe well, what he says is that the Kukai Foundation was formed by the second Milshin government to... Oh, okay, there you go. Um, there you go. ...to investigate what happened. Mm, right. And sort of clean it up, like but what then, was going on. ever since, the Kukai Foundation has s- told the Federation that they have gotten rid of all their major weapons and that they don't have, like, the ability to, like, wage right. war or to do something, whatever happened to first Milshin... <laughs> What, yes. That it might happen to second Milsha, right? Um, this will come into play a little bit later, but the Kukai Foundation does not admit to having tons of very powerful weapons. Yes. Anymore, though right. they used to. There was supposed to be a disarming or a disarmament that happened. Yeah. Which is yes. why That's the word. they're allowed to go collect the Zohar modifier, or the, the Zohar uh, emulators. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's why they're tasked to do that. There's a lot of power in mm. the Zohar emulators right and and because of their disarmament i would assume they're allowed to like carry and safeguard yeah yeah. the the zohar emulators um and investigate by collecting them and experimenting or whatever what actually happened like what did yokim misrahi actually do with these things yeah that caused these gnosis to come through how do we get an answer to this problem right that's crazy that's crazy so yeah that's basically the Kukai Foundation's job. That's their main job. But it's so expensive to maintain these Zohar emulators yeah. and uh, you know run the foundation itself. I mean, we find out that there's a huge like space colony. <laughs> this ship is like a, Dude, a skyscraper. I want to talk inside. about that. It's freaking oh, sweet. <laughs> it's really cool, man. It's so cool. And Zach, can we move on to there now? Well, or just one second, because that's my next. A little more before then, okay, but. Okay, okay. It's so expensive to run this thing that they have to get involved in, like, side businesses okay, to be right. able to, like, fund anything they do. Yeah. Which is why <gasps> the Elsa, for instance, is going out into wreckage and collecting... Yeah, just trash. ...stuff <laughs> from ships to yeah, sell that's or, right. you know. So 
Anyway, that's what like Matthews and his crew were doing. They're right. they're part of one of these Kukai Foundation side businesses mm-hmm. that are trying to make money to maintain and safeguard the Zohar emulators. If that makes sense. Gotcha. So that's all the explains there. Then they notice that Momo's missing, and they're like, "Oh no, what happened? Is it something I said?" <laughs> Which is, I think, he's pretending to not know. Uh, he may actually not know, but. Uh, I just assumed that that was the case based on hmm, what right. I said later. Um, so, Shion catches up with Momo a little later and she tries comforting her. This was a really nice scene. Um, there's like these glowing nanomachine fireflies kind of like all around the ship. Um, and apparently these are used for like cleaning and maintaining and repairing the ship itself, right? It's like a technology that they use for that purpose. And uh, she talks about how that technology being a part of their lives, it's taken for granted almost to the point where it feels like it should have always existed. Oh, uh, right. Because Momo yeah. is struggling with this idea of being a realian, you know, yeah. and, and wanting to be a real person. Or Are realians bad because my father... Yoakim Rahi was a bad person. He made me is kind of what she's questioning. And so her, um, Shion's way of comforting her is saying, I feel the same way about realians as I do about these fireflies. Like these are good. This is a good oh, use of technology right. that has made our lives better and feels as if it should have always been that way. It should have always been that mm, right. Um, and you know, this tends to cheer Momo up a little bit. Um, and then even Cosmos jumps in. This was really surprising to me. And and says yes. some good things about Yokim Misrahi. No, it was surprising to Shion as well. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> Shion's like, oh, did you just show some empathy? And Cosmos yeah. is like, uh, I just, the situation called for me to say those <laughs> words. Like she gave a very robotic response. But a Cosmos leaves and you are left kind of wondering. Like, wait, yeah, I get it. Yeah. you're. Yeah, they'll be like, did you, did you empathize? And you saying, no, my brain neurons just fired in the <laughs> pattern that made my mouth say the words. Like, that's not empathy. It's like, okay, just because there's a technical causal, like biological explanation yeah, doesn't right. mean that it's not still, Basically you know, the same thing. an empathetic response. Yeah. yeah. So there is something like that going on um, with Cosmos, but it's like, it's hard to kind of, it's hard to, it's hard to read. It's hard to tell. Really hard to read her, but uh, yeah, Cosmo uh, shows some empathy, and Shion yep. uh, is happy with that. Um, okay, so then Alan runs in. She tells Shion uh, that um, once they or after they've arrived at the Kukai Foundation space station thing, that they're going to give them a ride to Second Milsha. That mm. they have some business out there too, and and Momo's excited about that, right? <clears throat> yeah, but Shion is. Um, Suspicious. Like, don't right. don't you think it's weird that everybody seems to be going to second well, okay. milsha now? <laughs> so we didn't mention that, but once you know, once uh, Junior and once uh, everyone gets saved and stuff, that's one of my notes I took. Was just like, oh, it turns out they're all going the same place. Yep. Oh, how interesting is that? What yep. a coincidence! Huge. Yeah, it's interesting that they're starting to notice it though. Coincidence. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and now they're starting to notice it. Whereas in maybe Super Nintendo era games, yes. this would be like a, they wouldn't notice those they types of things. They wouldn't know. They yeah. wouldn't point it out. But this is the first time where Alan buys the coincidence. The whole game, oh, he's yeah. been questioning everything. <laughs> and now Shion's like, this is not a coincidence, Alan. And he goes, oh, you know, maybe it's just a coincidence. And she's like, yeah. uh, you know, like, 
<laughs> Whatever. So, I think it's just Alan is just his his raw reaction is just always the opposite of Shion's. Yeah, I think that's what it's supposed. Whatever to be. it is, they're just they're yes. opposites on it. Yeah, yeah. He's so, a he's a foil in that sense. Now we get to see the docking. Oh the my gosh, so cool! So stadium. the Durandels just flying stadium. towards this ship. And or not this ship, this like oh gosh, space well, station, the colony, so- Solaris. Sure, yeah, actually, <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> something like that. Um, this uh, it almost looks, looks like a flower. It almost looks like a lotus flower or something. It's like an open shell. It's like an egg, maybe when it when it closes, it yep. might look like an egg. I don't know. Yep. It's hard to tell, but it looks really cool. Almost like a turnip. Maybe I could say a turnip. Um, but I'm wondering, like, okay, are we gonna like this is a huge spaceship? Like, are you? And they're just like going straight to the planet. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, sci-fi does what whatever they want, I guess. But I do want to see how technically this huge ship is just gonna like dock on this uh, this colony. I don't even know what you call it. Right. What do you call it? Space uh, like station. A space station or a, uh, a colony? I would call it something like that. A space deep space colony. But it it kind of goes around it and then underneath. And there's like this part that opens up and it just like the sword of the Durandel just like goes inside of the whole colony itself. And it just like rises. There's this really, really cool cinematography. But you see the water just kind of like splash and this thing just goes up and it just keeps going. And it's just like you you get a a handle on the scale of the Durandel. This is a big, big ship. Massive ship. Huge. And it goes all the way up to the top and then it just like kind of stops and docks and... It's really cool. I really liked it. Yeah. There is some symbolism there, but I won't bring it up because it might be a little bit Freudian. And just by me saying that, um, hopefully people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't have to say it. <clears throat> but anyways, it's, yes. it's, it's so cool, though. It yeah. is just so cool. And then you see them kind of walk out of it, right? And then Gagnon is there to kind of meet them. And when they walk out of it, that's when you get the real scale of the thing. And right. it's just like, oh, my gosh, these people are tiny. This yeah. thing is freaking huge. So yeah. when that stabbed, when it showed up and just, like, stabbed one of the spaceships in the previous battle in the last episode, yeah. that's a big deal, man. Like, sure. that's a huge, huge thing. You didn't get a sense of scale back then, but you do now. Yeah. It's 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 basically like a skyscraper in the in the center of this giant sort of uh, lake yes. or See and it's like it's supposed to be there. Yeah. So in peacetime, in in neutral or times of nothing's going on, that skyscraper will be there. But yeah. then everyone in the city will notice when oh, looks like uh, they're out doing work, right? Yeah. The junior is out or somebody is out because the biggest landmark of their whole city is just gone. Right. And there's something about that. It, it, there's something about like the way that the city works having this thing be at the very center of it and it's a circle right and you've got you've got kind of the the whole um idea of something like a a centric and then um like concentric circles kind of going out from the center right and and the idea of a center and everything being oriented around that center right right? and then you've got the boundaries and they go out um but the people of this place would have an identity with you know the red skyscraper that's always at the center of the village and it's almost like a, a sundial like it tells the time yeah, it gives right. them it gives them pe- purpose and meaning right yeah. this is one of the big important things yeah and uh anyways that'll come into play a little sort bit. sort of serves as like the citadel or, or yes, capital like building the citadel of, of the city yes exactly like yeah yeah but but it but the fact that it's mobile is like you can gain some vague intuitions through that, where it's like if you wake up one morning and the thing's gone, it's like, oh, is that a bad omen? Is that like I could totally see just like the culture, yeah, developing around this this obelisk, yeah, basically as and the circum circumambulation around it as they go from place to place. It's all centered around this thing, uh, almost like um, back in the day when you'd have an old city or a town. 
um, it would be centered around a church, right? You'd have a church with right. a big steeple, and nothing would be taller than the church. That's the tallest building, and everyone in the whole city sees the church at the center, and it's like a reminder of, of your purpose, of what you're doing, and, and it's, it's the, the physical center, but also the spiritual center of, of everything that happens in that whole city. Right. Um, anyways, really cool stuff. I love it. Yeah. So this is where we get our introduction to Gagnon. Yes. Kikai. And he has 669 on his palm, or 996. Yes. It depends. Yes. Is it to be read upside it down? It is 669. 669, That's yeah. what I read it as anyways. <clears throat> now, I I just don't know what's up with that. <laughs> <laughs> that is beyond my yeah, what, skill to what, interpret. <laughs> <laughs> what that means, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I, I couldn't really... I couldn't really find anything either, but I did notice yeah. on we'll find out later his suit. So I'm like, the, yeah. the lapel of his suit on one side, I guess it's the left, the left breast side of his yep. lapel. Uh, it's got some symbolism there that looks yeah. very Zohar, original Zohar. Original. I think that's probably yeah. important because yeah. it's not like the letters. It's not like the Hebrew, the Aleph, or anything like that. It's the turquoise gem in the gold surroundings right. right but it looks like an eye right like an eagle the whole thing kind of looks like an eagle and that's its yeah. eye right? right so you get like a bird of prey like a yeah. hawk or something right so you get the bird of prey imagery but it's golden and it's got the turquoise gem in its eye and the eye is like i don't know that's the most important when you talk to people you look yeah. them in the eye in like the that's eyes, yeah. that's what you value that's the most important part and the and, window to the soul yes and yeah. you can almost see that the the reflection of this thing's eye is that color turquoise, you know, so you can see that his his goal is something with something to do with the Zohar. Something to do with the, the Zohar. The yeah. big Zohar, though, like the main yeah. one, not these emulators. The original Zohar. That yes. character's purpose, the design, what the design is telling you, that yeah. character's purpose has something to do with the original yes. Zohar in pursuit oh. of it somehow. By the way, I, 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 I skipped over this before because we just didn't have time, but remember when we were inside the cathedral ship? And then we saw a very large Zohar in the cathedral ship. Yes. And it, what color? Do you remember what color it was? It was all, it, had, it was, it was dark, covered right? with dark kind yes. of blacky purple organic material. It more or less just kind of looked dark. It kind of looked like it was black, like it has been covered in something. Well, we're talking right? about alchemy though. Yes. yes. We <laughs> right. <laughs> well, okay. That's not exactly where I'm going here. I'm going to draw a parallel here with Shion's, um, oh. her neck. How You've noticed the shape right, of the, the shape Zohar. Of it, yeah. It's black though, right? Yes. I don't know if that means much, we'll but see, if I we're guess. going to be reading Zohar uh, into one person, then the black Zohar, and we know that she's from Milsha, right? That's where yes, she was from. from Old Milsha. And so yeah. she has this black Zohar shape on her uh, clavicle. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Collar. Collar. I don't know. Um, and anyways, yeah, you, you might be able to glean some info um, you know, there as well. Um, we have Aiden here on Discord saying something Ooh. that you actually said in the car on the way here while we were discussing Oh, this. good. Can't wait. The design of his suit is actually similar to the shape of the Monado in Xenoblade Chronicles, the sword. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it's also important it is. to it's point It's like out. that exact shape. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. And this is, for people who don't know, this is the same director of the Xenoblade right. Chronicles games as right. well. Right. Yeah. So... Um, also, the the Durandal itself, like it's a red sword, the red, right? yeah. which is also uh, served as an inspiration for the design of the Monado in Xenoblade Chronicles as well. Yeah. So, to yeah, look it up, there. you'll see some clear, clear resemblance here. Yeah. So, okay, now this is the first note that I took 
the second I saw Gainan Kukai's face. Yeah. I was like, he looks like Albedo. Oh, His no way. His face looks just I like didn't. Albedo. I got the connection between him and Junior, but I didn't make the connection with either of them and Albedo. It, he like has the same face. Huh. He just has black hair. Albedo you know, has white hair. I always, I wonder if this is one of those <laughs> games where it's like, the characters just do look, look the similar. Same. <laughs> no, no matter what, they just look similar. That I, is an unfortunate truth about anime. It's actually one of anime, the more, yeah. more cliche yeah. criticisms of anime in general is that the the only difference between one character and another is their is hairstyle their hair. or, their or their color eyes. Yeah. or the color of their eyes. Yes. But all the faces yeah, yeah. look the same. Of course, that's not technically it's true. It's not always true. And it depends but, on which anime we're talking about, right? But, yes, which art style they use. Yeah. But... Um, I can see where you're coming from. In it's in, just hard. It's just hard to tell. Is, I don't know. <laughs> was that? Does he purposefully look just like Albedo, or is it just a lot they of anime characters look similar, yeah, 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 or something yeah, like yeah. that? But no, it is purposeful. Well, it is. He looks exactly the freaking same we, as Albedo. We learned some things, and yes, yes. It so is that, very purposeful. that was the first note I took. I was like, wait a minute, that looks just like him. So nice, nice. Um, and we're gonna learn about Gainan Kukai's real name in a minute, which is Nigretto. So Nigretto, the whole yes, alchemy yes, yes. Uh, Sorry. connection I, is there. It's, I, okay, so it's so, hard to say that word, okay. I know. I yes, but, 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 <laughs> just so people are aware, I am playing the Japanese version of the game, and so when Mike will say Albedo, and I'm saying Albedo, and this is a voiced game, and so yes. everyone's like, why does Kaysen say all the names are wrong? <laughs> <laughs> because everything I'm hearing when I'm playing the game is the Japanese, the Japanese pronunciation, pronunciation, right? Yeah. And it's different than what you're saying. I just want to make sure people know this, that I'm not just like... <laughs> Doing it on purpose. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not just, I'm not stupid. I'm not playing the game on mute. I'm, I, I am saying it the way that they say it in Japanese, right? I'm so actually Nigredo. glad you explained that because, well, I, this is kind of a tangent thing. Yeah. It has always baffled me when people get so uptight about pronunciation oh, of names right. and words yeah, yeah, yeah. in fantasy worlds and things like yes, that. Yes, and they're yes, like, yes. it's pronounced like this. Get it right. Like, okay, okay. You know what we're talking about. Like, what does it matter? Right, Why right. Are, we, are we freaking saying? <laughs> but um, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, so Cosmos, they say Cosmos yes. in English. I'm yeah. guessing they say Cosmos well, in Japanese. Actually, okay, now this is a part where I'm just wrong about this. <laughs> they do say Cosmos in the Japanese. In Japanese as well. Um, but it's just, it's spelled Cosmos, and so I just say Cosmos when I talk. But yeah. that would be good intuition on your part. However, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the Japanese a disservice there. I am pronouncing it wrong. Okay. So you guys can get on me in that one. So you're free to <laughs> get pissed about load the pronunciation on, yes, of load Cosmos. On. Though I've never That's understood one. why people get pissed about pronunciation. <laughs> I just literally cannot grasp why it matters that much. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Gainan goes up to Momo. Yeah. And tells her yeah. that Yuli Misrahi told him to take good care of her. Oh, and that means a lot to Momo. Yes. And something tells me that he knew that that would mean a lot to Momo. Yes. Based on <clears throat> his scene with Junior right after this. Right. But she's like, oh, when do I get to see Mommy? And he's like, well, she's really busy right now. And she gets sad because she never wants to see me. And he's like, I promise you that um, I'll let you know as soon as she contacts us mm -hmm. again. And so she's like, okay, thank you. And she's like appreciative. Um, and then he kind of leaves after that. Um, but as he leaves, because because uh, well, he went up to Xion first. I forgot this. And Xion mm. was really awkward when yes. oh, um, yeah. when talking to him. She was kind of rude. Yes. And she even kind of like gets down on herself a little bit. Like, why was why did I act that way towards someone I had just met? Right. It was a total stranger. That was weird that I 
had a hard time interacting with him. Yeah, and now yeah. it makes me think you may be onto something with him having the original Zohar mm. imagery on his lapel and her having this blacker the black one. one. Which might be the same Zohar, by the way, but but there's a different there's a difference in that one of them is well, yeah. anyways. There's a difference. There's a difference. Uh, even though they might technically be the same technical one. But yeah. He takes special note of her as yes. he's leaving the room. Oh, his eyes glow yes. like turquoise, right? Yes, right. He gets that glow in his eyes, and yes. he's he's like, no way, not her, right? He and says, then, no, it can't be. Yeah, so then he leaves. Yes. So he, he notices something yes. about Xion. Yes. And uh, so he takes special note of her, and I thought that was really interesting. Now, I have a quick question. Um, Kukai taught... Oh, Kukai. Um, Geigman? Junior. Junior. Ju- <laughs> junior. It's a great Indiana Jones reference. Junior. Yeah. Um, he mentions that he can tel- communicate telepathically with the Kaiser. The Kaiser. And I-, I assumed when I first played the game. That he meant Well, when Geigman. I first was playing this game, that I thought he was talking about Geigman. Like, yeah. oh, his connection was with his father. Because the other girl's connection was with her sister. And yes. I assumed father as well. We don't know the relationship um, just yet. yet. Um, but it seems like his... Father, or sorry, it seems like Gagnon is not the Kaiser, or is he the Kaiser? I don't know who Junior was talking about when he said Kaiser. I okay. don't want to assume who, who that is yet. I don't know. But I but originally it, it thought it was going to be Gagnon. Gagnon, yes. But and I'm I starting about to think it since. that's not the case. But if it is the case, then him getting that glow in his eyes was a message being sent to him somehow it's like something oh, it could be. something resonated into in his mind and he was rejecting it immediately right but it's almost as if somebody com- telepathically told him something yeah. or that some outer force communicated something into his body um from outside right that's right. more or less what it seems like um the telepathy link is interesting and if 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 this isn't the kaiser then junior can t- communicate telepathically with someone else somebody else so that's fascinating yeah i guess we'll have to wait a yeah. little while before we find out exactly i also is, but. i also took the note that uh Gagnon's lapel it kind of looks like a demon as well so I, mm. I mentioned the bird imagery but there's also kind of like some demon like hindu level kind of like a, just a general demon there mm. um and that's all I've got other than the fact that Geignan, the name, is from the Song of Roland, which we talked about yep, earlier as well. Right. Um, and Geignan... It's gotten to a point where like literally every single name that is spoken, I have to pause and like go look <laughs> up, is that name a reference to something? Like literally every and, person And then in the you game. have to decide, is that reference important? <laughs> does it matter? Because <laughs> often it really does not. Yeah. Um, but we've got... Um, We've got the Song of Roland, right? So Roland is Charlemagne's best knight, right? We've already talked about that. But um, Gagnon is, I believe, the name of a horse. Gagnon is the horse of the King of Spain. That's it. Go. Not the horse of Roland. So I'm glad we created that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then as far as the Song of Roland goes, I don't know. I we I probably don't need to go over the whole thing. Yeah, here. I think we covered that pretty well <clears throat> last time. So. Yeah. Okay, so... In the next scene, we have Junior and Gigan discussing some things. I took some of the dialogue down here. I heard they lost the archetype, but it looks like yeah. there's more to this than it seems. So, the archetype I believe he's referring to here is Cosmos's previous form. Previous right? form. The that previous Cosmos did all the slaughtering. Yes. We're going to talk about that more. Alan gives Very us soon. a bit of an answer to that on the beach scene, I think. Mm. Um, so. The current form of Cosmos is not the archetype he's talking about, and 
for some reason the archetype is really important or like they've lost it is what he says it's not yeah. like they've advanced past an archetype it is they lost the archetype which mm. is an interesting way of putting it that's very interesting um huh. he's also worried that Xion is on to them he says that Xion is like suspicious of yes, them because of how she acted and, and their powers specifically right. their powers um yeah junior, this was interesting yeah junior doubts this um he, he just goes, no, she's just a normal human. Of course, Gagnon can sense that, th that that's not the case, that there's right. something more to her than that. And Junior can't quite pick that up. But then he also says that she's not one of us, right? Right. Something like that. Like, oh, right. one, of, one of us. Like, I don't know much about... Oh, there's so many characters that are so mysterious because there's the Reallians and the humans, and you think, oh, and then cyborgs, and you've got it covered, right? But there's, there's like, chaos. I don't yep. know what's up with him. Yep. And then uh, Junior and Guinan, and it's like they're humans, but they're they're not just humans. There's something yes. else going on here. And that is so, that's just so weird. I don't really have an idea as to what exactly that means. We're going to learn <clears throat> next time. Okay. <laughs> um, so then they start talking about Momo a little bit, and... Um, I think it's Gainan who says something about how Momo's memory of Yoki Miss Rahi is a false one. It's not yes. like a true memory yes. of who the guy was. And it, it almost, I don't know if that's, I think, I feel like that was speculation on their part when Could they were be. saying, yeah, because Momo likes her father so much and thinks he's so great. Right. And I think they have this idea that that guy was so not great that it must be a false memory. Yeah, it can't be I, that, right. That's almost the way that I interpreted that. Yeah. But this is why I assumed that Junior did know Momo's connection to yeah. Mizrahi earlier, because they're talking about it very nonchalantly right. here, as if this is common knowledge. Like, among yeah, we them. know who she is. Right. We know, yeah. And she's got a false memory of Yoki Mizrahi. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even, I mean, this is probably just like wild speculation on my part. Maybe he mm. even said what he said to test whether what Momo's perception of mm. Yoki Mizrahi really yeah, is. Yeah, sure. That could be me just going like way too many layers deep, thinking oh, that's that there's possible. A, a, a freaking forty chess going on with that's well, not there. But <laughs> when you said it was crazy <laughs> speculation, that actually sounds pretty reasonable. I don't know. That I don't that's know. like crazy, crazy. That's because Junior doesn't seem to be someone who thinks ahead quite that far. Gagnon seems to be more that You're character right, than Junior is, um, particularly because Junior's not suspicious of Shion at all. <laughs> yes. So, but anyway. also we saw some of. Um, Junior's actions earlier on with the girls of his crew and how he really is pretty rash. He, he, sure, he'd yeah. rather look cool than think ahead and take precise steps. Sure. So anyway, um, at the, let's see, at the end of the scene, yeah, well, Junior is a little bit, he seems to be a little bit suspicious of Gagnon throughout the scene. Um, and right. Gagnon gives him a gift. He opens it up and it's this, this like um, well, it's a gun antique. from now. It's a gun from today. Yeah, yeah. It's like but an antique gun for them. Yeah, for it's them. An antique. And it, he calls it a stainless steel finish uh, Makarov. Now Makarov. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, but what's funny is he says Makalov. <laughs> really? Not Makarov. <laughs> <laughs> Once oh again, gosh, the L's great. and the R's in the translation from Japanese to English get mixed up. So Ooh. it's it's supposed it's to be like 50, 50. It's supposed just, to be a Makarov, and yeah. he says Makalov. That's but. so funny because you've got all sorts of things here. Like they capitalize certain words when it's correct to be capitalized, yes. And they like don't capitalize other people's names when yes. they are not supposed to be. Like, but chaos. then they they <laughs> don't know like Makarov, and but it's like they're talking about these huge concepts. But yes. They don't really well, I mean, it's a this is 
we talk about how difficult uh, Xenogears was to translate. I mean, <laughs> this would be hard um, too. Yes. I think Patrick Holloman, because you had asked in the last episode who translated, and it was uh, Eight Four Studios, Eight-four. which is a pretty famous okay, like translation localization sure. studio. And of course, we talked about um, the the studio that did um, Cowboy Bebop and stuff that did the localization. Oh yeah, that's and true. A lot of the voices and things the like that. The voices and so. things. So, so it was like a whole team. A very competent team. It's just that it's hard. None it's a them. hard game well, you know, to translate. You know, I the more that I think about it, like we're in, we live in America <laughs> <laughs> where where people have guns. <laughs> and uh well, I would assume the translators did too. Ah jeez, yeah, never mind. So. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. Probably just one of those things that wasn't like the highest priority. Get the yeah, yeah. get the gun name. It's like whatever. Correct. Yeah, they got all the ideology <laughs> stuff and it's like, okay, the gun name, whatever. Yeah. But um, on the way out, Tal Tal Gagnon yes. says to Junior, "You're older than I am, so you better act like it." Something right. like that. Yep. Didn't really see that coming, other than the fact that we don't know how long Junior has been Junior. Yes. <laughs> how long he's been a chibi chibi son? Right. Uh, he it could be he could be a hundred years old. I don't know how old he is. Um. So the fact that Gagnon is is. Um, younger shouldn't come as a surprise, but I found it to be quite shocking, especially since I had just taken for granted that, oh, that's his dad. Yeah. This is Gagnon and he's Gagnon Jr. Um, and this moment throws that all on its head and says, yeah. you know, maybe he's not Gagnon Jr. And what's their relationship? This is strange. Yeah. That, that just kind of threw everything into um, a big question mark in my mind. Right. Um, but I guess now that I rethink that, it's been way too long on minute details. Um, well, yeah. Shion mentions later how similar they look to each other. Yes. And, and they, As if they, they were speculate related, right? about whether... Yes, on the beach. Um, whether Junior is an illegitimate son of Gaignan uh, or whether he's a clone or something or else. whether they're brothers. So yeah. the fact that they look similar, but Junior is older than Gaignan, maybe mm-hmm. that is the sort of like... Uh, their cover the that they set up ah. is you'll play my son in this Kukai Foundation. Oh, that's so maybe that is good. why they call him Junior because mm. it's supposed to be he's playing the son of so, Gagnon. So if Junior, because my assumption is, and I probably read this somewhere, like he's probably not 100 years old, he's probably 28, right? Um, because 14, he looks 14. Yes. And 14 years ago, Would a be, thing happened yes. in a place, and it's 14 years since then. So Kukai looks about 28, although I'm judging based on anime. So <laughs> I don't know when people look 28, they might be 52. I don't know. Um, but if Junior was allowed to age normally uh, the way that Kukai, that Gagnon aged, that they would look identical. They would basically look like twins. Sure. And so it is actually to their advantage that one of them looks quite a bit different yes. to where those questions aren't as um like yeah. immediate in people's minds. People uh, assume, assuming they want to hide this, I don't they'll know. assume he's a very much older <clears throat> brother or yeah. or a not or not a human. Right. Which is what they're saying. They're like, do you think he's onto us? Or do you think she's onto us? Yeah. Oh they know yeah. no, she's just a human. It's like, hey, they're not humans. So they probably want to hide that from people. Yeah. Okay. Kay. So yeah, you're older than I am. I would think that was my last note for that scene. Okay, cool. Um then we get Alan. Okay, this is what I think I was referring to earlier. Uh, Alan comes into Shion's room just basically to say, you don't look good, Chief. Everything okay? No, sure. everything's fine. Alan is very thoughtful. There's no problem. Yeah. And then Junior comes running in at the end of that 
to invite them to yes. come down to the beach to play. Okay, to play. No, oh, this is too good. Okay, so when Geignan walks out of the room and he says, oh, act your age, you know, you're older than me, and then he shuts the door, Junior's just screaming with excitement yeah. because he got the gun that he wanted, yeah. this 4,000-year-old relic, like, yeah. and it looks brand new, you know, it's so cool. I love the first thing he does when he gets the gun is he, like, he, he, he pulls the slide, you know, and it's like, I don't know if it's loaded or not, but... Um, just so people know, if, if you ever get a gun and you know, somebody gives you a gun and you don't know if it's loaded, you should do certain things to make sure it's not loaded first. Um, part of that is checking the slide, but you take the clip out for, or the, the magazine out first. Um, anyways, he just kind of immediately clips it, and I was like waiting for him to like look down the barrel and do all of these super non-safe things. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? This is a freaking gun, man. But anyways, um, the words he says when he runs in is something a, a child would say. And that's more or less yeah. my point. He acts, he, it's not, so he's older and you would say, oh, he's older, but he just looks like a kid. Yeah, but he still acts like a kid. Still too, acts like Quite kid. a bit. Yeah. And I don't know why other than maybe just like hor- hormones, I guess, but he is older and he acts younger. Um, he says, do you want to come play with me? Right? Yeah. Now, the Japanese for that, uh, the sentence read, um, asobi ni, asobi ni ikoze. So, asobi ni ikoze. So, asobi means to play in Japanese. However, Adults will say this line oh, in okay. Japanese. So it sounds very childish, and he is being childish. However, in the, in Japanese, the same connotation. people would say like, uh, uh, you know, asobi, asobi ni iku. That's a normal thing to say to somebody like, hey, let's go hang out. Okay. It doesn't necessarily. <laughs> even 14-year-olds yeah. don't say let's go play, yeah. right? Um, so just understand, I don't know that that was the best choice in translation other than to make him feel younger. Um, and he is quite energetic in this scene. Um, yeah. But Asobi isn't, it shouldn't always be translated as play. I kind of, I kind of, I, I didn't love that translation choice right there. That I actually have a memory of like the moment I realized it's not cool anymore to ask your friends to <laughs> Me play. Me too. Me too, dude. <laughs> I was in fifth or sixth grade. Yeah. And it was this guy up the street and I asked him if he could play and somebody else across the room like made fun of me and said, yeah, can you come play? <laughs> and I was like, uh, I never saying that again. <laughs> Never yeah, did it I again. Think, I think it was in Arizona at yeah. the time, and someone called Parker, some friend in the mm. ward or something, yeah. and asked him that, and he was laughing about it to me, and I was like, oh, I guess I shouldn't do that anymore <laughs> either. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's classic, man. Uh, anyway. I wonder. I'll bet you a lot of people have memories of the moment they the moment they realize play. it's not cool to say, but, can you play anymore? But that does not work in Japanese. In Japanese, no. the word changes. You don't stop saying it. The the, con- the connotation of the word changes as you get older, and people just understand what you mean. Yeah. Um, also, another thing I wanted to mention before we leave that scene is that uh, um, Junior asked Gaignan to not mention Joachim Misrahi to Momo anymore. He's like, just like, don't bring up the subject. It's like, obviously, there's she has, yes, you know, it's, it's a sore spot for her. He, so don't talk about that. And Gaignan sort of yes. mocks him by like insinuating that he has a crush on Momo. He did. And you know, well, I don't know the specifics, but Junior does seem to not hate Momo. Yes. <laughs> Junior does seem to like Momo. So yeah. 
at the very and, least. And he that. tries to deny it in the same yes. way an adolescent boy would. Well, and I'm pretty sure Guinan tells Junior, he says, oh, you should invite her to go to the beach. To the beach. And play, right? And he's like, and he's oh, like, shut up. It's not like that. But and then, then he goes and does that immediately. <laughs> but he says it to Xion, not to yeah, Momo. But, but oh, Momo comes too, you know. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's a roundabout way to get Momo onto the beach. Yes. Okay, so now let's talk about the beach scene. There's kind of a lot to talk about here too. Yeah. So they all go down to the beach, and Shion is sitting in a beach chair on yep. a computer. She's not doing playing. Work. She's not playing. <laughs> no. She's working. Some people are playing. You know, they've got some volleyball going. And I'm pretty whatnot. sure everybody is except yeah, yeah. Shion. So except you got, you've got like, Chaos, yeah. Momo, Alan. That's true. Oh, Ziggy's not there, but he mm. shows up a little bit later. Yeah. But they didn't want. They didn't want to render him in a bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I think it's also kind of a personality thing because Junior. Sure. When Ziggy shows up at the end of the scene, he says, oh, you finally did come down to play, huh? Like, mm. And he's like, no, no, actually, I'm concerned oh, about you. Anyway, uh, she's working on this computer, right? And, she, and she's um, she's thinking about Cosmos's empathy that she... Yeah. And she's like, wait a minute. Let me study the... Um, yeah, let, no, let me get out my PlayStation 2 controller. Yes, half, she has. Half PlayStation 2 controller. Yeah. And then let me study the data. She like rewinds it to the moment of the battle because she has all the data. It's like all recorded like in a black box. Yes. And um, she's like, oh, I'm going to read her subconscious. What was happening in her subconscious when that moment happened? And then she said it was a flat line. It was yes. a flat line. There, there was nothing. Yes, there's no data. Flat line. There's but, nothing there to draw from that. But in the unconscious, for the unconscious to flatline is really something, right? Don't you think? Yes. <laughs> yes. That means she wasn't thinking about anything. Like not even like a small <laughs> idea of where she was walking. Like that's just she wasn't thinking about anything. So it just reminded me of something um, that I wanted to read. This is a message we received on Patreon about that little. PS2 controller thing we were oh, kind of yeah? laughing about last time. It's funny. I get it. There may be some legitimate explanation for it, and it might actually be cool. Um, it's just kind of funny when you're playing a game and you see someone holding the controller that you're holding. <laughs> yeah. Just slightly different. <laughs> well, here's what David says, and I, I told him that we would read this, so I'm glad you brought this up because I almost Good. forgot. He says, um, da -da -da -da. In the last episode, there was a bit uh, you apparently missed during Cherenkov's flashback of the Cosmos archetype incident. Hmm. Before entering the lab, Cherenkov meets with a hooded person yes. who gives him a remote control that you apparently... Know, I don't think we talked about this. Yeah. That's true. Apparently would give Cherenkov control of the archetype. Yes. No, I, I made a note there. I don't know why I skipped over the note. We must have been I, at the I end of an episode. all the freaking time. I know, but <laughs> I remember thinking, even the next day, I was like, oh, I forgot to read that note. Yeah, there's like, a, it was raining, and the hooded person hands him and says, this will allow you to control it. And he's like, are you sure? And it was yes. Yes. But we haven't seen it used. I don't think it worked. I don't know. It didn't work. Yes. And so, but yeah, that was kind of the point. The point is, hey, you can control or at least manipulate the data within um, Cosmos, the archetype. the archetype, using this PS2 controller. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, very good. And the way she uses it is pretty cool. She's holding it on one hand, and she's got the up and down, you know, strokes, and then she's manipulating the hologram that kind of um, is projected out from it using her right hand. And so there's kind of, is actually kind of cool the way that it was used. Yes. And it makes sense that it's only one. It's only half of a controller, yes. not, not both sides. Right. <laughs> um, I actually ra rather liked it. I, I yeah. just wonder if they maybe could have changed the look of it a little to bit. To look to a be little less, less like, like a what I'm console holding. game controller. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's pretty cool. The important thing I felt like we should pin here somewhere is that the hooded person gave him a controller that yeah. didn't work. 
Mm. What was that hooded person's yeah, intention right. behind giving him a faulty controller for the archetype in that scene? That is something if I have not thought of. I remember huh. correctly, Wilhelm earlier, mm. who is the, the CEO of Vector, by yes. the way, okay. Vector okay. Industries or whatever, who creates the archetype, right. is the whole Cosmos project is a Vector project. Right. Wilhelm was speaking to a hooded figure in that scene earlier. I'm wondering if they're the same person. Because we haven't seen that hooded guy since that scene. And the other, the only other hooded figure I guess we've seen is the one that gives Trank off yes. the faulty controller. Now, that means Vector gave Utech the wrong uh, thing to control the And then, and then took over the project, right? Because Xion was working for Vector with Cosmos. Cosmos yes. is under Vector. Yes. But the archetype... Was under oh no you took was take going it. that's right you took went to take it yes oh this is crazy okay so that I have questions but we, maybe we should let them sit for yeah now. that's interesting that's I very just interesting. I just wanted to make sure I like to that. Hmm. pin that for both of us as something to think about for later yes yes please I think it's a setup for something so okay so thank you David for uh, sending us that message appreciate you uh, and your support on Patreon thank you very much okay so flatline oh well nothing here at all is what she says right about the subconscious waves that she was th- hoping would give her a hint as to why she was exhibiting empathy. Um, so then Alan kind of comes up to her um, and he mentions that they've been trying to analyze Cosmos bit by bit. He says this kind of to Momo because Momo asks oh, about yeah. what Shion uh, is doing. They're trying to get her to come play with them. <laughs> right. So. I saw Niku. Yeah. What he says is that they've been trying to analyze Cosmos bit by bit to reconstruct her original form again. So this is in reference to the archetype they lost. Right? The Can you archetype. Say that sentence again. <laughs> okay. What Alan says is their work on Cosmos, which yes. they're currently doing, they're analyzing her bit by bit to reconstruct her original form again. Which was the archetype. Which was the archetype okay. form that killed all those people. So the form she's in now is not the ultimate form. It's the uh. archetype form from before. So that's not a Ooh. predecessor that wasn't finished yet that they then worked on and got to the current iteration. That was it is the, the original. That was the real one. They've gone backwards <clears throat> and they're trying to work back up to that form again. Interesting. Why? Because that thing's going to kill everyone. <laughs> Maybe that is why. That's like huh. it's a weapon. It's an anti-gnosis weapon, and it was more right. powerful th- in that form than okay. it is in this Fair one. Enough. Yeah, that makes sense. That being said, hmm. it's really freaking powerful in this form, so I can't imagine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> how much more powerful the archetype was. You know, there but, was also a moment there uh, where she had a flashback of Kevin. I think it was Kevin, Kevin, right? yes. The, the man who's no longer alive? Yes. Okay. Um, and she, he mentions to her, he says, hey, I think that the Kevin, archetype has a heart. Right? Yes. And okay, so she was just remembering this what from the sparks past. this flashback is that Alan in this explanation of analyzing Cosmos bit by bit to get the original back says that only Kevin knew everything That's about right. Cosmos. That's right. And That's he right. bites his tongue because he realized he mentioned Kevin's name in Xion's presence and he goes, and Oops, he I shouldn't have said that. And so, then she remembers Yes. And this actually cleared up some confusion for me too because I thought the scene that happened earlier between Xion and Kevin happened on the Woglinde. I thought he was there. Me too. He me too. wasn't. 
Right. That was also a flashback. That, I, I have been confused about Kevin for a while now, and I thought that there were two dark-haired people that work with Shion. Yes. And that one was her ex-BFF, and then the one is her current Kevin. Yes. I, they, apparently they're the same person. So. They're the same person, and that yes. other scene before was a flashback, as is this one from a time when they were working on Cosmos together. And, yes, he mentions, you know, I think Cosmos has a heart. Yes. Right. And and Shion is just taken aback by that. Like, yeah. no way. How is that even possible? And he's like, well, there's, I, I just, I'm sensing it. Like, he can feel it, you know? Yeah. And Shion's trying to find that in the data. Where's the data yes. that says she has a heart? And she's she's not finding it. Right. So, okay. Um, then they begin speculating about Geignan and Junior's relationship. Are ah, they yes. father and son? Are they brothers? brothers? Are they clones? Are they clones? What is it? Yeah. And, and it turns out Momo can like yes. read people's genetic composition and interpret it yes. very quickly, yes. like right away without any samples. 100 series realians are, they've yeah. got a lot of. She's a beast, abilities. apparently. Yeah. And so she's like, oh yeah, well, the genetic makeup is not identical, so they can't be clones. Right. But it is too close for them to just be Relatives. father and son or brothers. Mm. So it's like, okay, would identical twins maybe would have technically slightly different genetic makeup? I don't know. Um, I don't know exactly what they're getting at, but they're saying that that they basically, they could be considered clones, but there's something different about them that doesn't make sense with the way that clones are made. Right. And so it's like, yeah, they're basically the same person, but there's something different. They aren't just straight up clones of each other. Yeah. And yeah, that's just a question we'll have to... uh, <laughs> leave on the table for a little find bit. out about at another time um yeah so she says their arrays are a little too different to be clones right they're more than just siblings or father and son but they're not identical okay then we get junior showing up right behind them saying who are you talking about illegitimate son yeah <laughs> and and alan tries to like change the subject like oh, oh this oh, is a really for, nice yeah. beach <laughs> this place is great and he's yes, like yeah, yes it, it is, is. It's awesome, right? He kind of gets like he's very forgetful, and then he wants to show off the weather system. Yes, so, which was a weird thing to show yeah. off. Yeah, like hey, you know how <laughs> it's really nice and sunny? I can make it dark and gloomy <laughs> and thunderous with lightning that strikes. Do you want to see it? <laughs> like yeah, but I, being nice, sunny is kind of nice. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why you do that. You can't have it be sunny all the time, as I think what yes. he says. He summons a thunderstorm, and Chion loses it. She's, she can't she hates stand it. thunder. Now, and at first I was like, what's her deal? I don't remember anything. other." And then it did hit me um, that on the day when the archetype freaked out and killed everyone, it was you, you can yep. see the archetype because of the lightning through the windows right. that illuminates the archetype. And then I think when Cherenkov gets the PS2 controller from the hooded guy, I believe it is raining or it, it's about to rain. Maybe it's not necessarily raining there. But either way, there was a thunderstorm on that day. Yeah. And I believe that is why um, Shion has trouble with thunderstorms. Yeah. Traumatic uh, event that yes. happened on the day of a thunderstorm. Reminds me of some one Riku from a game we played very recently. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> or okay. Ryuku. I should say Ryuku. Yes. Ryuku. Um, okay. So Shion says she hates thunder. She freaks out. Chaos they, they show Chaos taking a particular note of this fact. About yes, Chaos. yes, yeah. Chaos is still... I don't know what We to make still of don't him. know what to make of him, right? No. He knows way more than he lets on, but, like, pff, I don't know what side he's on, where he came from, any of that stuff. We know nothing about him. Yeah. And he's, in particular, he seems to almost be watching, well, mm. Cosmos, but certainly Shion as well. 
and like sort of taking notes, mental notes <laughs> about like her, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't know what's going on there, but I just know he's watching them for some reason. And okay. well, I guess we'll just leave it at that. But they, they, they made a point with the camera yes. to show chaos taking note of the fact that she hates them. Right, because I thought it was going to show Junior again, and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll change it, I'll change it. But instead it showed chaos. Yeah. I'm like, what? And then it didn't show Junior again. It yeah. kind of cut to a wide, and that was the end of it. Yeah. So then we cut to a scene with Guy Gun Kukai taking a call from Representative Helmer, Helmer yes. who is part of the government of Second Milsha. Okay, um, okay. So he's like he's a representative. Not, but I, I th- he's got some connection with the Federation, though, in that he's like an ambassador. Ambassador or some something. Something like that, yeah. He, he represents Second Milsha's interests yeah. in their dealings with the Foundation. With the Federation, yeah. He's yeah, a representative of some kind in the government of yeah. Second Milsha. Now, this is where he calls Gagnon Negretta. Yep. So this is where we learn that that's his real name, of course. Uh, it's just after this scene or something that we learn about the the silver hair, white haired, crazy guy's name is Albedo. Yeah, which is where that the, was where you start to put the connections of the alchemy with yeah. these characters together. Okay, it comes a little, and bit they after have this. the same exact face. They look the same. So this is this is where yeah. I knew. Okay, that it's not just um they copied a model to uh, save time and money thing. It was intentional. They intentionally look exactly yeah. the same, and one has black hair and one has white hair, and they're named white and black. In, in, it's like a code name or yeah. something. I don't know. So there's a reason for that, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, just for those who want to look ahead. Now, this is so funny because I predicted another name. I predicted it in, this, in these notes before I got to that point. Yeah. I can't say who it is. Um, but understand that you have Nigredo, Albedo, and Rubedo. And... That's the alchemical process. And when you when you know that you have Nigredo and Albedo, you know that there has to be a Rubedo. Rubedo. Now, there's also a fourth one that's called Citrinitas. It's the yellow color in between yes. white and red. Um, I don't know if this game's going to go for that. Uh, but at the very least, my note here, I was so proud of myself too. Um, <laughs> but just for those who want to look ahead, we have uh, Nigredo, Albedo, and I think we'll see a Citrinitas or a Rubedo soon as well. Although I have a guess there. Um, Kukai has black hair, and he's called Nigredo, and of course that means black. Um, and then we know somebody who has white hair, so we will be looking for somebody Rubedo, like a ruby. We're looking for somebody with red hair who would then represent Rubedo. And there's actually several candidates for this person. <laughs> mm. There is, but as we mentioned, uh, there are three people who happen to have the same face. Have the same so, face. <laughs> and one of them does happen to have red hair. <laughs> and so, um, anyways, um, now what, what I don't know, though, is how they're going to carry this out um, technically, because I, once I learn who Nigredo, Albedo, and Rubedo are, I'm like, wait a second, that's not the alchemical process. I, I actually need, I, I need to play a little more and see exactly where they're going with this, because it, it doesn't, it, you, the Nigredo isn't what you would assume you would see of somebody who is uh, going through the Nigredo process of alchemy. And Albedo is not somebody you would see going through the Albedo process of alchemy. And Junior, I, we don't know much about him really, but he doesn't seem to me like somebody who has attained this Rubedo state. And so that is Just where... Wait. <laughs> <laughs> that is where I question exactly where they're going with this. But yeah, can't wait till next time. Can't wait. Okay, so uh, in their conversation here, um, yeah. 
He says he doesn't care for that name, by the way. Yes, Guy, he does Guy, not he does like not to be like called that. Name. I wouldn't either. Um, yeah. And then Geigen says that um, uh, they've secured the last of the Zohar emulators, right? The 12th one. Yes. And, and then there's no mistake it was right. responsible for the disappearance of the planet Ariadne. Which is the main one, right? So this is yeah. great. So there, there's only one, and this answered a big question of mine. There is only one original Zohar. The original, yes. there's only one of it. And all the other 12, they're all emulators. Yeah. Well, all there's 13 emulators. Oh, I thought it was, there's 12 emulators and then there's the real one. So there's which the original the Zohar, which nobody, well, they, they assume that that is, has been sealed away with old Milsho through whatever happened right. in the Milsho conflict. Okay, um, so maybe my understanding's a little off. But the 13th, they have 13 Zohar emulators. But none of them are the original. None of them are the original. None of them, okay. Yeah. Okay. Assuming they haven't constructed any more, says Geigman, <gasps> that's right. all of them, aside from the original, of course. That's interesting. That, uh, I think that Helmer says that's impossible now that the only man, uh, is it Helmer who says this? Okay. I can't remember. I think it's Geigman who says, assuming they, I'm guessing he means you, Tick, haven't constructed any more, that's all of them. All of the Zohar emulators, they've got them all. Right. Aside from the original, of course. And then Helmer, I think, says that's impossible now that the only man who can create them is no longer alive. And I'm assuming he's talking about Yoki Mizrahi. Mizrahi. Yeah, that's what so I So Yoki Mizrahi is yeah. the creator of the Zohar emulators, I think. And now all, that he's not around them. anymore, they can't make any more. We've got them all now. Hmm. And now it's just the original. The, the, the reason they're bringing this up is because He's assuming, since we've got all the emulators, their next move is probably going to be to go after the original Zohar. Hmm. So he's, he's, they're, they're kind of right. trying to plan ahead and, and, and see where they think Utik is what they're going to do next. Um, hmm. and, and so they think they're going to be going after the original Zohar. Of course, we know that what Margulis is after is the 100 series Realian who has the data of Yokimus yes. right inside, the Y data, which leads to the gate that will take them to old Milsha, Milsha. where it's sealed, right. where it, the original Zohar apparently is. Mm. So that's kind of like Margulis's whole opus, what was the word? Opus. Modus operandi. Modus operandi. Yeah, that's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Thank you very much. <laughs> no problem. That's the one I was looking for. That's what he's after. So. His MO, which is funny. His MO. Momo. Is probably nothing. (laughs) Probably not. You never know Um, with these games, though, man. Okay, so uh, okay, this is where we get the the mention of Udu for the first time. Yes. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, Udu. They can't allow Udu to awaken. Yeah. And so uh, if they go to Second Milsha, they would awaken Udu. And they're like, it's not even if the original Zohar is there, it's not worth going there because we might wake up Udu. Yes. Do not, we cannot allow them to awaken Udu again. And what's up with that? Because this is spelt the same way with the hyphen and everything as the UTIC organization. Cosmos, UTIC. Yeah. And then Udu, I don't know what it's saying, but. T L O S. T. Yeah. There's a hyphen, the letter hyphen, and then some code word. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know Something exactly. Vector doesn't have that, though, I guess. Um, okay, so uh, we can't let them awaken it again, no matter what. No matter what. Then we cut away from that scene as oh, Shion... Oh, real quick. Go ahead. Real quick, though. They also mentioned, this is a great uh, Sitan line from Zidal Gears. And yes, uh, this is a good example of Sitan. I don't say Saitan. I say Sitan. Because in the Japanese, sh- it was Shitan. Okay. Well, um, Kukai, 
I call him Kukai, so this is not good. Gagnon uh, has an ability to attract coincidences. This is one of the things oh, that yeah. he's told. Helmer it's like, oh, that. coincidences seem to follow you around. And yeah. uh, But his response in true uh, Satan form, he says that it is probability, not coincidence. Uh, right? So it is inevitable. It is not a coincidence. It is inevitable. That's what I think Satan says. Yeah. Um, anyways, but I think in that quote, as uh, Nigredo has, <laughs> he's got so many names. <laughs> Gagnon uh, Kukai says, uh, he's quoting somebody else when he says that. He says, as an acquaintance of ours would say, it's not a coincidence, it's a probability. Yeah. And who is that acquaintance, right? So he's he isn't quoting himself when he says that. He isn't being Satan. He is quoting the person who is then Satan. Right. Okay, so then we cut to Shion as she goes to meet Alan to do maintenance on Cosmos. Yeah. Um, we kind of cut away from that scene. I didn't take too many notes there. Mm. Uh, it, it's just, that's the gameplay. You're just going to meet right from the beach. But, uh, but we get to uh, walk on the map around this point. We're like a, yeah. a giant in the city. Yeah, but yeah, But it's yeah. like tiny on the map, and there's all the big buildings and stuff, and it's just like Xenogears. Yep. It's really cool. Love it. It's just like, um, what's that city um, in, uh, in the top right map? I can't remember exactly what it's called. In um, Xenogear? When you're in prison. Block D. Block. Oh, um, uh, it's not Bledovic. That's uh, that's the capital of Ave. Yeah. It's, uh, it starts with a K. What is it? I, I just Help don't us remember. Help <laughs> us it. out. Help us out, Aiden. It's not important. I he's, he's, even... he's typing. Nortoon. I sh- I Nortoon. Not... Nortoon. That's it. So it reminds me of Nortoon in Xenogears. Um, and how you're, you're going, and th- it's easy to tell where you can go because there's a few 3D buildings that are like, there's like a factory, there's like a downtown place, there's like the port, the dock, yeah. the beach, and you just kind of can walk around the whole city and step on millions of people. <laughs> and it's great. It's really cool. I feel like this is, it's just right. When I see this in a game, I'm like, this feels like how games should be. Yes. This is correct. This is yes. the way. This is the, <laughs> this is the correct I'm serious, way. dude. The P- this is PS2. the freaking way. JRPGs, that was the peak. Yeah. That was it. They peak. they reached fetching like the pinnacle. Like that was how they should be yep. made. And then they lost and they it. switched to whatever yep. it is they do now. They let it go. That open world stuff. The city's really cool though. Game. There's like slums. There's like some kind of darker parts of town. Uh, there's, um, I mean, it's just like a normal city, I guess. I don't know what I was expecting, but um, there's like a bar and a restaurant and yeah. place to buy things and anyways um it's actually kind of a cool town it'd be worth uh spending some time yep checking everything out that's what any good rpg player does they talk to every yes. npc right it's cool though it's the first time in this game where i've been like oh we're in like a real city now you know yeah and it feels cool um okay so then we cut back to the asteroid pleroma and margulis is speaking yeah. with some pink-haired guy with uh, matrix glasses Hey, sunglasses. Yes. <laughs> and what's great, though, so this is like, you don't see characters with sunglasses very often. Yeah. But he mentions the this guy's eyes at the end yes. of this conversation, but we don't see yes. his eyes. That, that was the, that's where I realized oh it's gosh. not just they're trying to make him look cool. Yes. There's a reason he doesn't He's want you to see his eyes. He's covering up his eyes on purpose. Right. So um, Mar- this guy seems to be, like, this whole game, Margulis has seemed to be at, like, the top of the pecking order, so to speak, of yes. Utic. Like, nobody sees him yes. as an equal. He's over everybody. This guy talks to him like he's an equal or something. Or so, possibly even above him. Yeah. Like, because when Margulis is like, oh, I'm thinking about doing this, the guy's like, that won't work. Don't yeah, do that. That's right. dumb. 
Like, yeah, the, whoa. I, that made me really interested in yes. that guy. Yeah, me too. Because this like, is the first time we've seen just him, right? That, yes. Okay. Just that specific way he spoke to Margulis. The first guy who speaks to Margulis yeah. like... Uh, whatever I don't I, I don't respect you like everyone else does exactly uh, but Margulis seems to respect him. him at least yes. a little bit he yes. doesn't get too upset and he kind of modifies his plan a little bit based on what that guy says and I still think he's being rash and that guy thinks so too and he says well it is a calculated risk like yeah things could go horribly wrong but we're doing this anyways um, and Margulis seems to be a, at least slightly deferential to this guy's yes. opinion yes very interesting yeah so I got way interested in him. Um, so they talk about a lot of interesting things here. Um, Margulis is saying, we're kind of cutting into the middle of the conversation. So he's saying something like, so you're telling me mm -hmm. that it's impossible to open the door to lost Jerusalem. Right. Now, yeah, yeah. We've played Xenogears, so we know that <clears throat> lost Jerusalem is a reference to Earth. Uh, I have not played Xenosaga, but I'm assuming that's going to be the same thing. Something like that. Um, Maybe works. we should tag that as a spoiler. I don't know, really, but there's so much of what we talk about in this podcast that we reference, you know, gears that. Sorry, it's just that is what it is. Um, so the guy says to that, uh, uh, it's not just that it's doubtful uh, that they that they can open the door. It's mm. doubtful that they can even find it. Mm. <laughs> like even finding the door to open is the part that I don't think is going to happen, guy. Like right. not even opening the door. Like, and opening what are you the door about? is a whole nother level on top of that. Right. right. So he says that the emulators were mere supplements and even Miss Rahi couldn't pull this off without the original Zohar. Mm. So now we have a whole nother element to whatever... Yokimus Rahi was trying to do right. with the Zohars and the Zohar emulators. They're trying to open the door to lost Jerusalem, and it can't be done with the emulators. Right. You need the original Zohar to do it, is what he's saying. So that's crazy. Yeah. Don't know what exactly that means. <laughs> um, but Margulis is willing to go to pretty ridiculously crazy lengths to get the original Zohar. To get it. Yeah. And... Well, is this the point where he talks about the Song of the Nephilim? Or yes, that at, the, at the end of the scene, yeah. The Song of Nephilim is like a last resort kind now, of thing. This is great because of things that I learned throughout this uh, session, right? It is not called the Song of the Nephilim. No. Which is what it... Of Nephilim. Is what it should have been called. So I corrected it in my mind. I was like, oh, they spelled it. They did a wrong thing. Nephilim is plural and it should be used in this way. Well... It's they did it right. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I find out um, later that they did say it correctly. The song of Nephilim is technically correct. Um, Nephilim I, is a name. I did not know what Nephilim was. I assumed yeah. I I wrote this big old note. I'm like, oh, this is a reference to Genesis chapter six, where the Nephilim are the giants who preceded right. the flood. Right. Well, there's actually kind of different interpretations of that too. Yeah, so they it's could like be a fallen angel, fallen angels as well, or, or giants. the giants, which were yeah. like. Sort of um, hybrids. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The the hybrids, also the great great warriors and men of renown, right? Yeah. One of the books of Enoch, I can't remember if it was the Slavonic book of England, or sorry, book of England, book, book of, of Enoch, England. the Slavonic book of Enoch, or the Ethiopian book of Enoch, um, but it, it um, names Gilgamesh specifically as one of these giants, right? Mm. So when you talk about great warriors, men of renown, 
they're talking about like the Epic of Gilgamesh, which also has the flood of Udnapishtim, right? He's, he's uh, Noah, yes. and it's the flood happens in Gilgamesh's Epic as well. Um, and they're kind of drawing a parallel there, the Book of Enoch is, and saying, yeah, but Gilgamesh is one of these bad guys. The flood mm. happened because of him, because he's such a bad dude. Right. And probably <clears throat> the other people he was with as well. Um, but um, the whole point is that I thought I knew what they were, specifically what they were referring to, um, and it, I didn't know. I, I, it took me by surprise finding out what they exactly they were actually referring to. Yes, um, but it does make sense because you're right. The the idea there are other interpretations of the Nephilim, but my yeah. thinking was the giants, man. Because yeah. like Xenogears took the idea of Nephilim and made the gears out of it, and they right. were like the gears are the Nephilim, yeah. and it's like okay, that's sweet. That's what I'm thinking <laughs> of, and it's the same guy. So I'm like, all right, these all right, let's bring on the giants, man. Yeah, but um, anyways. The Song of Nephilim is technically correct. Let's move on. We've got a good comment here from, from Aiden again. He's, he's got a picture here of Peter Sellers. That um, I love Peter this, Sellers. Now. This pink-haired guy is a reference to Peter Sellers from oh, uh, really? Kubrick's Doctor Strangelove. Oh, from Doctor Strangelove, of so course. So he's got a picture here. That's exactly what he freaking looks like. He's yes, here. and those glasses are exactly <laughs> glasses, it. Yeah, yeah, look at that. But he had the kind of like reddish hair. And I guess Doctor Strangelove is black and white, so who knows what color hair that guy had. Yeah. So, anyways, that's interesting. Uh, interesting Good to know. Tidbit there. Okay, so where did we get up to here? Um, couldn't pull it off without the original uh, Zohar. Yeah. So Margulis says that they can't keep the commander waiting any longer. So this is where we learn for sure there's seems to be somebody. There is somebody above. Well, actually, now I think about it, maybe he means he's a general and he's got another commander. He's like, I can't keep our commander guy under me. It could mean that. Mm, too. Sure. Waiting, that's a fair point. He's out there ready yeah, yeah. to do something. So maybe that's what he's talking about. Uh, waiting any longer, mm. and they will proceed with plan 401. Execute order 66. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I thought of when I saw that. Um, so order 401. <laughs> the pink-haired guy seems to think that that's some um, rash. Uh, that, yes. that, that, that You don't need to go that far yet kind of a thing. Yeah. Right? Um, and Margulis doesn't shut him down immediately. Margulis is just kind of yeah being reasonable about it, not... I think he's still going to do it. <laughs> yeah. But um, he's not like, how dare you tell me what not to do? Yeah, right. He's not like that. Uh, but he he also mentions directly Geignan by saying, he calls him Helmer's protege. Mm, so right. he says Helmer's protege is babysitting the 100 series Realian prototype. Mm. So they all know that Helmer and is uh, like a mentor of sorts or that yes. he works. Well, we know Second Milsha founded the Kukai Foundation. So right. Second Milsha working with the Kukai Foundation is not that big a surprise, but they right. know the, the leaders of these. Anyways, Helmer's protege yeah. is what he refers to, man. I thought that was interesting. That was very interesting. Because um, I, I assumed like Eignan would be like top of the heap. Sure. He may not be. Um, and uh, the um, they all know about Momo. They know, everyone knows where Momo is. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. that's interesting. Uh, because, well, originally they had Momo prisoner right. in Pleroma. But, um, okay, and they, they again reference the fact that she has the entire record of Mizrahi's research and the access code to the UMN transfer column to the sealed area of Old Milsha stored inside of her. That's Ooh. what the Y data is. Well, hold on. Ac- access code or yes. access code? An access code. Oh. I thought you said axis, A-X-I-S. No. In which case, the Y data would be the Y axis, which uh, is the vertical. I see what you're saying. Right, the vertical axis. Anyways, um, 
Yeah, uh, you got me doubting myself. I, no, I, I no, copied I think, the I copied the dialogue I, from. I the, think you said it right, but when I hear you say it, I'm like the axis, the y axis. Yeah, <gasps> is yeah. this a vertical? Is that a but connection that to something still doesn't tell us much, All even right. if that is right. Sure. Um, okay, so then they say yeah. um, if they're not careful with Momo, they'll lose everything. So they mm, cannot yes. have Momo die or be destroyed or something like that. Yes, right? They yes, need yes. her to get the Y data so that they yeah. can get to Old Mill Show wherever it's sealed and get the original Zohar. We now know what they're after. Um, Margulis mentions how he, I get it, like I know how important it all is, right? That's right. why I'm using him. They did this a lot in Xenogears. <laughs> yes, him. they did. Him. <laughs> I think I think he's yeah. talking about Albedo here. I think so too, because um, it's the person he can't control, but that he uses occasionally to accomplish whatever he wants. Right. So uh, then the pink-haired guy says uh, he doesn't like him, uh, that his eyes share the same look as Miss Rahi's. Mm. So Al- Albedo, Negretto, or what is Gagin. the what is the sickness that Albedo probably has? What is it? Um, the thing where when you do a wrong thing. Okay, he may uh, not have it. The thing that oh, Virgil, oh, D- the DM, thing Virgil DME had. addiction. Yes. DME addiction. Anyways, um, somebody who acts like that may be another person who does that kind of thing. Yes. So, or maybe something like that. Well, there's a, whole, there's a whole lot of speculation well, about Yoki Mizrahi I want to talk about next time. Right, and the Mizrahi thing is has is direct reference to the Realians. Like whatever happened with him and the Realians on Milsha is like tied up sure, in yeah. history. Okay, so, um, oh, but Margulis says in response to that, the, the look in the eye, uh, that Albedo has the same look in his eye as Ms. Rahi. Yes. And that's why he doesn't like him. Right. Right. Uh, Margulis says see, to him, the same as yours. Oh, no. Oh, no. So that's this pink hair guy. That's when it happened. Also might be one of these Ooh. things, whatever <clears throat> they are. Whatever they are. Or, I don't know. He seems a, quite a bit older, though, so. Yes. Maybe he was a earlier version of whatever Gagnon and Albedo are, I guess. That's but. a fair point, actually. That's a good point. Um, um, but we don't know what those eyes look like, but whatever they look like, it's whatever Albedo's look like. So yeah. you can kind of just transpose those. So then Margulis asks Pellegree to open a channel to their commander. Uh, he wants to discuss all of this as well as their plan to manipulate the committee. I think he is talking about Albedo as the commander here because then they talk to Albedo. Then they talk about Albedo, yeah, yeah, Well, they talk with him directly. Yes, yeah, briefly. Um, So we then see uh, that he's talking to Albedo and he's saying that they have to use the Song of Nephilim. And Albedo is really surprised by this um, since, because he mentions, but you hate that. Like, you hate the Song of Nephilim. Like, it's funny that you're telling me we need to do this because you hate this. But obviously he's excited about it. Um, (laughs) So Margulis says that Albedo's toys have their uses. So he says to him, your toys have their uses. So whatever the Song of Nephilim is, it's part of the arsenal of toys of Albedo. Mm. Um, But that he won't join him for when he uses it. So Margulis is not going to watch him use the Song of Nephilim, but he will condone him using it (coughs) for their purposes. Okay. Um, They do explain a little later, the Song of Nephilim just makes people go crazy. Yes. Like it just makes people lose it. Um, and because Albedo starts laughing at him like, yeah, right, you don't enjoy it. Like, I think Margulis says something like, I don't the, share the your carnage. perverse proclivity in hobbies or something like that. Right. 
and and he laughs at him. He's like, "Yeah, right. Like, whatever. Like, of course mm. you do." And then that's when the, he like ends the conversation. But then Pellegrini uh, calls Albedo a URTV. Yes, that's right. Yes, which is something we're definitely going to talk about next time. No, but it, they do. She does mention here that it's part of the Life Recycling Act. Yes. So it's something along those lines. He, she calls Albedo a monster born of yes. life recycling. Yes, that's it. That's yeah. what she says. Yeah. And that there are plenty of mentally unstable life recycling variants out mm. there. Now, remember, even Cherenkov was a life recycling variant. Yes, he was part of that, yeah. So Cherenkov, Albedo, and I'm guessing this pink-haired guy, uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, also maybe Geignan, Geignan and yeah. Junior are all part, or I, I, what I'm guessing is they are all life recycling variants, but two of them kind of went crazy. Three of them seem to be relatively sane. Who knows how long that lasts or why? Is it a matter of time? Yeah. What's the difference? What's the variable? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there are plenty of mentally unstable life recycling variants. And then uh, that's when he says the only thing Albedo cares about is Momo. The, the 100 series prototype. Yeah. And Pellegrini asks, oh, that's why he says, um, don't be so concerned about what he's going to do. Like, because she's all worried about allowing Albedo to do this, right? Yeah. And he's like, don't worry. All he cares about is that freaking 100 series. Like, he yeah. just wants to eat her, I'm guessing. That's <laughs> all he cares about. So don't worry about him. And then she asks if he's really going to use the song of Nephilim. And uh, he asks her if she's heard it before. And he gets real serious for a second. And he says it draws everything unto madness. Yes. He doesn't say it draws everything into madness. He says unto. Unto madness. This everything unto madness. I feel like that's a reference to something, biblical reference somehow, because there's a lot of um, references to the uh, book of Revelation soon. Hmm, I see. So anyway, I was thinking maybe that's... Well, you say draw nearer unto me. That's like a God saying, like... Uh, if this is translated correctly, yeah. then yeah, it could be referencing um, a bigger situation or like a temple, an altar, or a god even. That's yeah. like madness is a name. It's a pronoun. <laughs> sure. A pro- I didn't check proper name. if uh, madness was capitalized. I don't think it was. but I, I probably not. Um, okay. I love get- this. Well, as soon as they mentioned Cherenkov, who I have some level of sympathy for because of what he had gone through... Um, when they mentioned that, oh, just like Cherenkov was one of these things, that makes me think maybe Albedo has a backstory as well. Maybe there's something that's like gotten screwed up in his life that's not his fault. You know, yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> um, I wasn't thinking about that, and now I hear it, and I'm like, oh, dang, that's interesting. My next note is, how many times are people going to ask Shiana if she's all right for her to answer, oh, it's nothing, <laughs> because it <laughs> happened again. Oh, did it? I was like, dude, they just keep showing us this. That's um, and then we get this, I thought it was kind of a weird scene where... With the bullet Mo- and Momo? Yeah, Momo yeah. and uh, Junior, and Junior gives her a bullet as like a like a charm. Yes. And she goes, no. it's so pretty. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> it's a It's bullet. a fetching bullet, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does she know that? I don't think he they, explains do they use it. bullets. He, he says it's okay. a bullet for this gun that I have. Well, it's and pretty because it came from him. I guess um, so. So... I didn't know this. My initial thinking is there's a tracking device on that bullet. That's my initial thought. Uh. <laughs> because it's like, okay, I think uh, Junior does feel for Momo um, in Momo's situation, and he may even like her. But 
with the way that he talks with Gaignan and with the mystery that surrounds him and with me not just not knowing where everything's leading necessarily, um, I'm just a bit suspicious of everything that these people do. Everything Chaos does, everything that Junior does, everything Gaignan, everything that, gosh, even, I mentioned this to you, even, um, oh, what's his name? The Joker, the, the dude, the, mm. the blondie guy. Oh, Alan. Alan! Even Alan, this particular playthrough, I'm getting all suspicious of Alan. Like, what's he? <laughs> what's he thinking? What's his true motive? You know, he helped build Cosmos. What's he? What's he doing here? And um, everyone, I'm just treating it that way. So my assumption is, okay, he's giving her a tracking device because they can't lose Momo, right? But the weirdest thing happens here. So he shows her the bullet. It's like, great. He he mentions a line. What did it say in English? Because I think I know what it said in English. I don't know. He if says, I took oh, it it's down. inscribed with a writing. Okay, it says Sayonara, baby. Oh, I didn't even take a note on that. You didn't? Okay. I must well, have been taking a note on something else. You so. wouldn't have because it's a nothing. But the reason I took a note is because the Japanese does not say that at all. Oh. This is the funniest thing ever. I can't even believe this. Okay. So the Japanese says, go ahead, make my day. Which is... But but yeah. it says it in English. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> so in the Japanese version, Junior switches to speaking English to say, go ahead to make my day, right? <laughs> and then when they translate it to English, they write sayonara, they put it back into Japanese. Like, and I'm like, I just started laughing. I, I laughed for probably a good minute on that one. I was like, are you kidding me? Why? And it's got to be like a fun thing. It's got to be a joke. It's got to be funny. a, yeah, you, you said an English thing, so we'll say a Japanese thing. And it's got to be a thing with the translators or the developers where they're like, it's just a fun little jest that they kind of threw in there. Um, but yeah, Sayonara Baby, which I don't know where that comes from. I think that's, um, well, Aiden is saying that that's like his catchphrase. That's a junior's catchphrase, Sayonara Baby. Okay. I, I seem to remember now even saying that earlier, like after he killed all those guys. But go ahead, guns or make, go ahead, make my day is Dirty Harry, yes, right? right. And Clint Eastwood yes. with his, yeah. you know, forty-four caliber, forty-four yeah. caliber, forty-four Magnum uh, revolver. And that's like a reference to a movie. So they took out the reference to a movie to put in just like, just, just Junior's catchphrase, you know? Yeah, right. I don't know. Okay. Well, he so also th- says that, that at the end of Battles. That makes too. me think, well, yeah. that make, that's fine. But that makes me think that... Um, that makes it look like he's the one who inscribed it. Yes. Like, oh, I just got this gun. I did not have this gun before. Here's a bullet from the gun, and this is what it says. But I don't know. The way it's presented in Japanese, it's not so clear that he's the one who wrote it. It seems like it it came with that written on it. Yeah. Like somebody, some world, well, maybe not World War II, but I don't know, some soldier from a recent war possibly wrote that onto the bullet when they used the gun when it was in use back in battle. What if the bullet didn't come from the gun he just got? It came from some other antique he has, and that's why it's his cat's phrase or something. That makes sense. So he just has the bullet... Okay, fair enough. That that can make sense. I connected it to the Makarov, but it doesn't that doesn't have to be the case. Sure. Okay, cool. So then in the Japanese he wrote, go ahead, make my day. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is just classic. Um, It's so good. So he ends up combining it with some kind of power to a necklace that he then gives to her. So yeah. he, he, he isn't just like, oh, yeah. I drill a hole through it, and then now, he, he like uses his power on purpose. What do you think of that? Here it is. I fused it Okay, because in he front ta- of Momo. <laughs> he talks about how tiring it is. Yeah, it takes a lot out of him. It takes a lot out of him to use his magic, right? The, the way the magic looks is interesting. Pay attention to that. The particle effects and the color, the reddish, and then the light. Um, you, you see that 
elsewhere. There are, there are other people who have the same power, it seems. Yeah. Um, but to do something so simple, mm-hmm. to, to use your magic and to, to get exhausted from like a really, really, like just putting a necklace hole in bullets, yes. in the bullet and tying it and like, oh man, that was tough. And it's like, you, you freaking like kill people <laughs> with that power of yours, right? You've got, it's incredibly potent, but you're using it to do the most menial task. Yeah, basically. Like, I just don't, I felt like it was maybe a little bit of overkill. Sure. Like, why is he doing this right now, right in front of Momo and all that yeah. stuff? I think that's pretty funny. Um, but there is one important thing that I want to bring up here, and that is that the bullet, that he likely threaded it through the shell casing, right? Which yeah. would be brass, something like that. Yeah. And the necklace, which was like gold or something like that. But the idea is this is metal, right? Mm. So he is doing metal work. He is, he is, he knows how to work with metals. That is an alchemist. Yes. Just want to... Full metal, metal alchemist. Full metal alchemist. Full metal alchemist. Full metal. I love that. Uh, <coughs> I'm trying so, to think of how much. I think we should probably stop here. Okay, that works. Uh, because you're we're at a good spot now. Because this is where everything kind of the federation yeah. shows up, and yeah. this will lead into the whole encephalon yes, dive later. Which will be very so. Fun. Yeah, we're gonna stop there for today. Thanks everybody for watching. Appreciate you. We hope that some of our speculation is actually going to go somewhere. <laughs> if not in <laughs> this game, then in, it. in the end of episode three or something. Yes, this might be a full year point. before the arc gets completed. Uh, but in any case, um, we appreciate you watching. Appreciate you sharing the video, supporting us on Patreon if you feel so inclined. And um, we'll see you again next week for what I have played already, which Kaysen is going to finish, which is possibly like the coolest freaking thing I've ever seen in my life. So (laughs) uh, I'm excited to talk about it. So we'll see you next week. Peace out. Sayonara, baby.